0: The Adam Crowley Show. Oh, no, 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 no. On ESPN Pittsburgh, the iHeartRadio app.
1: Breaking news. Redoing your kitchen makes you poor. I've been off for nine days, redid my kitchen, along with my father and my father-in-law and my mother-in-law and my wife and every freaking day we had to go to Lowe's or our local hardware store because you didn't have everything that you needed even though you thought you did you didn't have everything and now I'm broke so I'm back here only to necessitate my insane living style my lifestyle man partying all the time Spending money on booze and drugs. I got to be here to collect. But my buddy is getting married in August. And I'm in the wedding because I'm awesome and everyone loves me. And when you're in a wedding, it's expensive as all get up. So I got to get a tux. And I got to put 170 bucks down for a place at Deep Creek. So let me out like 500 bucks for this wedding. And it's worth it because I love the guy. It's worth it. And I just had a wedding, so I know how it all goes down. That's just the way it works, right? Another reason I'm broke. Getting married. Love you, hon. There's 125, 126 days, something like that, until we go on this trip to Deep Creek for my buddy's bachelor party. Is it a terrible move for me to pay the best man in a hundred and thirty-three, one hundred twenty-six, whatever it is, increments, I think I might put a down payment down for like forty bucks, and then pay a dollar a day until we get there. I'm broke, man, but I could find a dollar a day, and it wouldn't seem like much then. But if I throw this buck seventy down now after the kitchen, my God, I'm poor. I'll be drinking at home. Mouthwash and shoe shine. We do have a lot of paint. Suppose I could sniff it. four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Bad move for me to pay the best man that way, you tell me. This popped up on my Twitter feed. A nice sign in New York City where it points to where every single Big Ten school is because they're doing the Big Ten tournament there this year. Did you know that that damn thing starts this week? It's as big as the NCAA tournament. If you're good, you get like four buys. Sign me up for some March Madness right now, though, baby. I'll be watching that Iowa game. Iowa-Indiana. Iowa-Illinois. Let's go. I could give two bleeps about the NCAA scandal, by the way. I will get into that slightly. As my hottest take of the day. But I'm going to watch March Madness, and I'm not going to let it be tainted by this. Not going to let it be tainted. College basketball, collegiate sports is dirty enough as it is. It's skeezy enough as it is, in my opinion, because they don't pay the athletes who make all the money for the adults. So I've already set my morals aside to watch the sport. Now when the players start getting paid, I'm supposed to be more outraged? Oh, no, no. More on that, the hottest take of the day. Coming up in 15 minutes, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's been all over everything. Will join me. 412 922 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. The Penguins were really close to being that team who only won one championship. They were so close. So close to being a team that would be thought of as the 1990s Atlanta Braves. Peyton Manning was like that. Sidney Crosby would have been like the Peyton Manning of the National Hockey League had they not won a couple more championships. I think it was all validated when they won the first one. Well, the first one since the first one, if you will. They won a second one, or a second one since the first one, if you will. And that, Put Sidney Crosby up into, I think, the top five greatest National Hockey League players of all time. Certainly the top ten. Don't feel like arguing that at this point. But had they not won these last two, he's not thought of that way. He's thought of as Peyton Manning. He's thought of as those 1990s Atlanta Braves. He's thought of as a guy who was not able to milk enough success out of the talent that he has. He'd be a little bit better than Ovechkin in terms of his experiences and based on his career, but that's it. Just a little bit better. And there's one some bitch that we got to thank for that conversation not happening, and that's Jim Rutherford. Now, I'm not breaking any news there, but why don't we rewind a little bit? I think Jim did a great thing when he started coaching the Penguin or being the Penguin general manager. By bringing in a bunch of dudes on one-year deals. And it really got the whole thing rolling. Mike Comrie came in, he scored a bunch of goals that first year. Or not Comrie. The hell's the guy's name? Como. Blake Como. Forgettable, both Comrie and Como. And in fact, they were both here. Comrie's the one who's married to Duff, right? I'm getting no hope help from the other room. Do your job, Tom. Joe would have done it. He brought in, it is, I am correct. You don't actually have to look it up now. Tom's all up in the computer now looking it up. I am correct there, yes. What did I call him? I called him Mike. Yes, I did. It's Blake Como and Mike Comrie. It doesn't really matter. Their names are interchangeable. Who cares? One dude's banging Hillary Duff. The other one's not. So that kind of separates them. But both these players are brought in on one-year deals. Steve Downey's brought in on a one-year deal. Christian Ehrhoff was brought in on a one-year deal. The Penguins brought in a bunch of players who were on one-year deals and it gave Jim Rutherford the flexibility afterwards to be able to do some stuff. Now, he brought in Spalling and he brought in Hornquist in that trade with James Neal going to Nashville. That was when Jim announced his presence. But he brought in a bunch of guys on one-year deals and allowed himself to then have flexibility to go out and get a guy like Kessel. He used Nick Spalling to be able to get Phil. He used the cap space. And in doing that, that first year coming in and saying, "Ah, yeah, one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal, he gave himself flexibility to create the roster that he has right now. And not enough people talk about that first offseason for Jim Rutherford. He comes in, he fills in for Ray Shiro. He brings his cast of cronies from Carolina. And he says, I'm not going to go out and break the bank on anyone right now. We don't have a lot of great prospects coming up. We'll see if we can contend this year. And if we are not good enough, then we'll just get rid of all the guys on the one-year deals. And that set in motion this Penguins now dynasty as they've won two Stanley Cups with Jim Rutherford and are in position to be able to win in the next couple of years. 412 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. As for Patrick Hornquist now, the deal that's going to be signed tomorrow, five years, $5.3 million. In five years, the Penguins might have just lost Phil Kessel and Evgeny Malkin and Crystal Tang, all of their contracts come up after the 2022 season. So what's it really matter after that anyhow? You're going to have to be okay with the Penguins sucking bleep for a handful of years when those guys all walk away. I'd be willing to bet that Kessel's not going to be brought back at that time. I'm going to be willing to bet that Evgeny Malkin's not going to be brought back at that time. I'm going to be willing to bet that Crystal Tang's not going to be brought back at that time. So, who cares if you pay for Hornquist? Because there'll be a year after that, there'll be the dark angels of Pittsburgh hockey again, X Generation 2.0. The fact that anybody's complaining about the term, yeah, shut the hell up. 412 tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley, Jason Mackey coming up in 10 minutes here on the Crowley Show. A lot of people are concerned about the Penguins' defensive depth and whether or not that's going to keep the Penguins from winning a Stanley Cup, winning the Stanley Cup. I hate when people do that. They've won two Cups. They've won a Cup. There's only one damn Cup. You win that Cup multiple times. Anyhow, the Penguins' defense core last year What, you don't like that? You don't like that, Tom? Such an old man thing. Such an old man take? Yeah. I also hate when people say it's the Eastern Conference finals or the Stanley Cup finals. That's the way it is in the NBA. That's fine. They deem it the finals. But in the NHL, it's the final. Okay, Tom? Do we have an understanding, you young whippersnapper? Crystal clear. Okay, very good. The Penguins Defense Corps last year, when they were winning their second cup, God, it's so stupid. It's a dumb thing to say. When they were winning the Stanley Cup for the third time in the Crosby era, their defense core wasn't that good. They got dominated at times. They got hemmed in their own zone at times. Their defense core was not good. Ron Hainsey was giving the puck away like he's Bernie Sanders. Dated reference. Bernie's still with us? Wow. Still alive, Bernie? Don't hear much about him now. They had Ron Hainsey. They had Gaunts whose first name isn't even, you don't even bother with it. Cameron, I believe it was. Might not have been. You had Chad Ruedel, who they've still got. And they didn't have Chris freaking Letang. And yet they were able to win the Stanley Cup. This year, the forward group's better. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not. The forward group is better. You've got Chris Letang now to eat a bleep ton of minutes. I like Jamie Oleksiak's game better than I like Ron Hainsey's game without a doubt. And Chad Ruedel can still beat Chad freaking Ruedel. Not to mention Matt Hunnick last year was actually a good player in the playoffs if you watched the Leafs at all. And I did because I was hoping that they would beat Washington, which probably wouldn't have benefited the Penguins in the first place because, well... Washington, as I say, is going to poop down their legs anytime they play Pittsburgh. But Matt Hunlick played well in that series and shut down Alexander Ovechkin. That's still in there. Maybe not quite to that extent, but that guy can play from time to time, right? That guy can make an appearance from time to time, right? So for everyone out there concerned about the Penguins' bottom defense pairing, for everyone out there terrified of what that's going to mean for the Penguins' opportunity to win the cup for the third year in a row, relax. The Penguins are going to play in the other teams end most of the time anyway. And as long as the defenseman they have can get the puck up to the forwards, which they can, they'll be fine. The Penguins are going to play in the other teams' zone. And I'm pretty confident in at least five of the Penguins' six defensemen. Anyone out there who's seriously worried, legitimately concerned about this Penguins' defense corps, you don't have to be. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Matt Hunwick's not going to be the reason the Penguins don't win the Stanley Cup. He's just not. Ron Hainsey wasn't the reason that they didn't win it last year. They won it with that guy who stinks. Ron he stunk last year. He really did. Look at the metrics. Watch the tape. He stunk. Good for him to win a cup, but he stunk. Remember my Bernie Sanders line? It was funny. Give the puck away like Bernie. <laughs> they can win with that guy, and without Chris Letang, they can win when they've added Broussard. They can win when they've added Sheehan. They can win when they've added Aston Reese. They can win when they've added Chris Latang, which I already said. They can win when they've added Chris Letang. They can win when they've added Chris Letang. Also, if they add Chris Letang. They'd be better than they were last year. Right? Now, again, the Eastern Conference is deeper this year. It's a better conference. But if the Penguins can win with the team that they won with last year and survive the way that they did... They can win it with this team. You're not going to lose because of your sixth defenseman. Not when you've got the talent that Pittsburgh has every freaking where else. 4129 Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Up next, Jason Mackey. Okay. Weighs on everything regarding the Penguins around the deadline and the Patrick Hornquist extension that's going to be announced tomorrow. You're listening to The Crowley Show.
0: Adam Crowley Show. Oh, I like him. He's a handsome guy. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM.
1: Tampa adds JT Miller and Ryan McDonough. Tampa Bay's pretty deep, you guys. We're like Tampa Bay. <laughs> Am I right? Nice. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh post Gazette okay. joins me now here on the Crowley Show. What's up, Mac Daddy? I lost Jason Mackey. We were too excited about setting that stupid joke up, and we lost Mac Daddy. We'll get him back from the post Gazette. He's a busy man. Who knows what's going on? Maybe Rutherford... Is announcing the Hornquist extension, and Mackie had to run off and be a big old superhero. Mac Daddy, we got you, pal. Yeah, you hung
0: up on me. What's going
1: on? I'm bad at the phone lines today. It's because I've been off all week. Uh, You got to be busy, huh?
0: (laughs) You think? A little bit. Just a little little bit. bit. Never too busy to talk to you, but it is a long day, yeah.
1: And that's why you're a fabulous human being. Where should we start? Let's start with Broussard, in fact. I didn't give you enough time to answer the question, but we will, in fact, start with Broussard. You
0: actually didn't ask me a question. That would be the first problem.
1: Yeah, I should probably ask you one. How does he fit in with this team? Uh, He will be the third-line center. We all know that, but who who should he play with? When's he going to get to Pittsburgh? There are so many questions I have.
0: I can't believe the number of questions I've gotten about like when is Derek Broussard going to get here? If I have any sort of intel into the U.S. Canadian immigration process, like I don't know, he's waiting for his immigration paperwork to get, you know, for them to go through that, and you, know, you don't really know, and it depends on how many cases they have in front of them. Um, the Penguins are again, they're optimistic that he'll be there. For tomorrow, I guess, based on feedback that they're getting from Derek. And I mean, they have him staying in Toronto. Like, they've almost gone, like, um, you know, apologies for the Ford Ranger that is, like, hot rotting outside of Starbucks on that. I don't know if you can hear that. But um, no, they have him. Uh, you know, In Toronto, near Pearson Airport, like he's going to be on the first plane out as soon as he gets this thing approved, but again, you're just waiting for final approval. Um, they're optimistic that it could be as early as tomorrow. It was obviously not today, and when he gets here, I think he's going to be on the third line with Phil Kessel, that much we know. Who's on the left side, I initially thought it was going to be Jake Gensel, but the way they practiced today, um, kind of a screwy third line, looks like something they could throw away. In a heartbeat, but it seems like they want Sid to sort of stick with Jake Gensel and Brian Rust, which leads me to believe that they might try Connor Sherry on that line, which I think would be interesting. It's an interesting surrounding uh, for, for Derek Broussard.
1: Yeah, I think so, too, and I mean, the Penguins arguably have three first lines when you look at what Broussard's been able to do and certainly what he's been able to do in the playoffs and the way Phil Kessel's playing right now. I feel like you could almost stick anyone on that line, mm-hmm. and they're going to be somewhat productive. Connor Sherry obviously needs to play his way out of uh, really a very long slump uh, for his standards. Uh, Jason, Broussard obviously does have that playoff pedigree. The Penguins have seen him a bunch in the playoffs. Uh, In fact, the last four years. So how excited are they to get an opportunity to play with this guy, and what does it seem like the locker room feels like his role is going to be?
0: Well, the locker room is, you know, I'll answer the second part first is tremendously psyched uh, to see what this guy can do. Uh, and not just them. Mike Sullivan, Jim Rutherford. Um, I'll use this story, Adam. And and a couple years ago when they were acquiring Phil Kessel and talking to Jim Rutherford like as a beat guy and and what is sort of the ins and outs of this trade and where Jim is at, blah, blah, blah. And there are certain times where Jim is really, really chatty. This was not one of them. And I mean both Phil Kessel and Derek Broussard. I mean, when he gets his sights set on somebody, um, I don't want to say he clams up, but he's just – sort of extra secretive with information. I mean, that is the magnitude of this deal as it relates to the Penguins. Um, and I mean that from the, the sense of what Broussard's new teammates think he's going to bring, what management thinks he's going to bring. Um, very, very excited to see uh, what this guy can contribute offensively. I think Sullivan likes it, honestly, because it allows him to separate Kessel and Malkin and have a good reason to do it. He does like those guys being a part. Um, so You know there are just so many reasons that this Broussard deal uh, makes sense, and you know you had to have three scoring lines, and now the Penguins have a third scoring line that's possibly better than the past two they've had when they've won the Stanley Cup. So whether it's scoring depth, um, utilizing their best players, maybe even getting Connor Sherry going if that line is just so good that he can maybe uh, ride some coattails for a little bit until he gains his confidence, there's a lot of reasons to be excited over this one.
1: Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette joining me here on the Crowley Show. You mentioned Mike Sullivan now having a reason to have Phil Kessel on that third line. Why does Sidney Crosby not seem to get the guys that he wants to play with? Not that he said so much that he doesn't want to play with uh, the guys he's been playing with, Dominic Simone and Connor Sherry, but it almost seems like the second and third line centers uh, get the better wingers than Sidney Crosby
0: does up top. You know, a couple things with that. One, you know, Sid's kind of his own worst enemy there, in that he can function with just about anybody and produces. And so, the sort of default setting is, all right. Well, I don't know quite what to do with this guy. let put him with Sid. He'll be all right. Um, But I, I guess my argument, Adam, would be: Who does he want to play with? Who does he want to play with? And who are they not allowing him to play with? And and Genzel would be the only name that. I would fit in that category, and it seems like they're addressing that. He likes playing with Brian yeah, they Russ. Yeah, He's probably going to play with Brian Russ. So, like, what are we what are we squabbling about over here?
1: Well, they need to put him with them consistently, I think. I think keep Jake yeah, I... up there alongside him and keep him with Brian Russ. That would be what I would do. Although, I wouldn't mind, and I, I talked about this a little bit earlier, Jason, maybe trying to reunite Sid and the kids, and then Brian yeah. Russ could play down on the fourth line, and then, oh, my sweet Jesus.
0: Yes, uh, no, yes, I agree with that. I will, uh, what they need to do with Crosby is to settle into something consistent. Consistent. Yes. I don't really care what it is. Like, I trust their reasoning for what they're doing, and I think they're all good enough players that they'll make this work. But the one thing I know about Sid that he doesn't really like is when things change. And that applies to his wingers, too. Just decide on something. If it's Sid and the kids, if it's Rust and Gensel, whatever, just pick two guys and let them go for 10 games and let them produce. And they're going to. They're all good enough players. But Sullivan, I I do think that's one of his, I don't want to call it a weakness, but one of the things that I think he could probably do less is tinker with lines, and he gets himself into some trouble with that, especially with Crosby.
1: Jason Mackey joining me here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Jason, everyone's already freaking out about the fact that the Penguins are going to play Matt Hunwick or Chad Ruedel uh, on their bottom pair. Is this something that Penguins fans
0: should be freaking out about? I think it's something Penguins fans should be paying attention to. I don't think it's something Penguins fans should be freaking out about. If this continues for nine more games, freak out all you want. But the one thing I've seen from Matt Hunwick is that when he's able to play a stretch of games on the left side, he has been an adequate defenseman. I get that that's not exactly a glowing review, um, but they don't need him to be a Norris Trophy candidate. They just need him to not be terrible. And they're going to be seeing better minutes. We're, we're judging a Hunwick-Alexiak pairing based on one game. And I will acknowledge, along with everybody else, that it was an awful game. Matt Hunwick was atrocious in that game, but it was also only one game. And the entire team was kind of sloppy. So, again, if that continues over the next nine or 12 games or whatever, then we've got a problem. But uh, I would like to think or I would hope that these guys would develop some chemistry. Um you know, Matt Hunwick is not a stupid hockey player. Jamie Alexiak is not a stupid hockey player. But they haven't played together, so give them a stretch, let them figure it out, and you got to hope that they're going to be okay. I I don't have a whole bunch of concern over Matt Hunwick or Chad Ruwido being in the lineup. The only problem that I sort of have with what Rutherford didn't do is if one or two of them get hurt, and then you're down to Zach Trotman or Frank Corrado or who knows who, in the AHL. and I worry a lot more about if one of those guys had to come up.
1: Yeah, as do I, Jason, and that would be the problem, I suppose. Uh, Jason Mackey, of course, joining me from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Jason, when looking at that Penguins defense core, the depth is the issue, but I do think that one through six, they're probably better than the group that they went into the playoffs last year with, no?
0: I, I think that's fair. Absolutely, and I think the top four are better. Um, and something we're not talking about and probably should be, and I should be writing about it more than I am, is Chris LeTang. He deserves credit. He was really bad early in the season, and he deserved to be criticized for it. But it's it's been the opposite now. He's been really quiet, and I mean that in a good way, chipping in some offense here and there. I mean, he's not 100%, but, you know, 85 is a heck of a lot better than 60 or whatever he is at, and I think it might have even been below 60 uh, but their top four, uh, again, it, this isn't going to be talked about because all of the offensive firepower that they have in the forward groups and in the, in the top three lines, but their top four defensemen are pretty darn good. It's in the top ten league-wide easy.
1: Tristan Jari and Dominic Simone were sent down to Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. Casey DeSmith has been recalled uh Jory hadn't played his best game, I thought, uh last night, or the last game the Penguins played. Uh this isn't all that surprising to me. Uh although uh, Matt Murray did get banged up today, so I guess it's probably a good sign that both goaltenders aren't here, yes?
0: Yeah. Um I, I don't think it's anything too terribly serious with Matt Murray. It did frighten me for a minute. I'm sitting here at Starbucks writing my stuff for tomorrow, and I read the release real fast, and I'm trying to do too many things. I say, oh, my goodness, they, you know, they bring up Casey DeSmith. Matt Murray must be in real trouble. and uh, Sure enough, it's, it's just a goaltender swap, and you idiot, read the whole thing. But, um, no, that that's what they're going to do, and that's the way this was designed. They're going to ride the hot hand. If Tristan Jari would have played well, they obviously wouldn't have made this move, but I I think Tristan Jari needs some adjustments in his game after that Florida game. That was not one of the better games we've seen from Penguins goalies this season. Um, So, you know, that's the move. Dominic Simone looks like I don't know whether he's like out of energy or, or, or what, but just even watching him at practice today, it was a little bit slower, a little bit more lethargic. Um, and it's funny the way that that happens with these guys. You know, I, I use the term sometimes turning into a pumpkin and I worry we're seeing that with Zach Aston Reese too, but basically you stop noticing them unless you sort of seek them out. And then when you do, you're, you're sorry you did. Um, it's just a, a consistency factor and these guys have to learn that. And they all did, you know, Sherry did, Russ did, Dumoulin did. And you know, it just takes a little bit of time.
1: I wanted to ask this before, Jason, but how hard did the Penguins press for depth? Do you think uh, in that defense core today?
0: Um, you know, they pressed. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't want to say they did hard because that's that's wrong. Um, you know, they kicked tires. They were involved in things. They didn't want to give up too much. And they also like what they have. I think there's probably a bit of a disconnect between how the Penguins evaluate their depth defensemen and how the fan base evaluates their depth defensemen. <laughs> like, I think a lot of your listeners probably like want to throw Matt Hunwick over off a bridge yes. and think he's terrible and whatever. And, and the Penguins management team doesn't exactly share that opinion. So, again, like, they looked, but uh, I'm just struggling to figure out how to explain this properly, but they just weren't going to pay premium prices because they didn't view there to be as much of a need as maybe somebody on the outside would.
1: The big one we found out about today is that the Penguins are going to get something done with Patrick Hornquist. You reported, Jason, that it's five years, $5.3 million. Some are saying, we don't love the term, but F that. You're going to have to pay that kind of term in order to get a player uh, to not go to free agency. And at the end of that, the Penguins... Might not be any good anyhow, so I don't have a problem with it in the slightest. They need to keep this guy around, no?
0: Yeah, and you're, you're sort of assuming the people that are criticizing that deal, and I'll, I'll admit I haven't heard many that have criticized it, and I'm not one that thinks it's a bad deal, but um, you're assuming that he's going to break down. Like, you're just assuming that, like, Patrick Hornquist's arms and legs are going to fall apart or something. I mean, trust me, this guy takes pretty insane care of himself. Um, After games, it is a regular occurrence. Like, if they don't play well, Patrick Hornquist basically takes out his aggression on the exercise bike. You know, not that that's going to explain him playing hockey until he's 36, but I'm just saying this is a guy that cares very much about this game, about his job, about taking care of his body, doing things the right way. Um, uh, to me, that's a risk that I would be absolutely willing to take. I wouldn't have done that deal if it had gotten stupid. You know, if somebody was going to give him like $6.5 million for seven years or something absurd like that. But I thought it was perfectly reasonable what they did. Five years, $5.3 million a season. Um, Patrick Hornquist got a raise, deserves a raise, and the Penguins value him very much. Um, and the cap's going to go up. So it's just I don't look at that. I look at that as a perfect thing for both sides. Honestly, I
1: tell me something, anything about Josh Joris.
0: Um, he plays hockey. Good. He has played hockey for I believe four NHL clubs. This will be his fifth. Uh, Most recently, the Carolina Hurricanes. He could play center. Come on, how random was that move? we was We're there bizarre. all day, like, paying attention from 8 o'clock in the morning, reading up, I don't know how many conversations I've had with, with people, with Rutherford on and off the record about what the Penguins might do, and we get Josh freaking Jories? What? Like, I, I swear Rutherford did it just because he, he, like, thought it was funny or something. You know, like, ah, I'd be too easy to just pack up and go home and not do anything. I got to do something. Ah, Josh Jories or Craig McKay. I just... <laughs> Crack me up.
1: Do you think they got close on anything with Cullen? No, I
0: don't. I don't. I think they checked. Um, well, I know they checked. They, they kept tabs on him throughout the day. They were hoping that Minnesota would make him available. If Minnesota did, I think the Penguins would have done whatever they had to to get Cullen to Pittsburgh within reason, but he just wasn't available. And the reason being is Minnesota's playing well and they value Cullen. They've actually seen his role increase. He scored a big goal last night. They came back and won and Um, they just weren't about to trade them. And and so, you know, it got as close as trying to get them, um, but they weren't going to, you know, they're not going to give up like two first-round picks in 2019 and 2020 for them, that's for sure.
1: Last couple of things for Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette. Jason, who scares you uh, if you're the Penguins in the Eastern Conference? A lot of moves were made. New Jersey uh, added a couple of forwards. Boston's added. Of course, the Lightning have added. Philly stood pat. Uh, Who scares you among that group?
0: You know what is funny, Adam, before I get to who scares me, but what, where's Washington and all of this? My God. They, they yeah. kinda, I, they, I think they
1: leaked that floater rumor at the end, Jason, saying, well, we're in on, on Carlson, and then that never happened. They didn't get a soul, which is unbelievable to me, because they're not as good as they've been the last couple of years, whenever they still haven't been able to win the Stanley Cup.
0: I know, and, and Columbus is another team that you didn't mention. Not that they're, like, you know circling the wagons or anything by, by bringing in Mark Latesto and I don't know who else.
1: Thomas it, Vanek and they, they brought in an Cole.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I like them. I, I think Columbus was a very good team to start. But anyway, um, with who scares me, it's still Tampa. It still goes down to Tampa, man. I mean, I, I think Boston is the only team that could knock off Tampa, but I still see the Lightning winning. I see an Eastern Conference final against the Lightning. I see it probably going to at least six, probably seven games. Um, should be epic. I mean, I think the Penguins and the Lightning are the best two teams far and away, um, and it's not really close. I think the Penguins are, are gradually distancing themselves from everybody else in the Metro. They will by the end of the year. And I honestly, Adam, I, I, I know it's far off, man, but I, I just look at the Penguins and the way they might – continue winning, assuming Matt Murray's okay, maybe they make a run at Tampa for the number 1 overall seed. It wouldn't shock me.
1: Yeah, and Tampa's been floundering for a while now. Uh, last thing here for you. How wild is it that Vegas kind of went out of their way to help Pittsburgh the way that they did? Uh, I mean, it really helped the Penguins sign Hornquist, and of course it helped them get Broussard. Uh, it's unbelievable to me that they were willing to pick up the four or the 40% of the salary, the $2 million, Uh, each year on Broussard to get Ryan Reeves?
0: I really like what George McPhee had done in Vegas, like, up until today. I mean, you know, I I don't mind what he did for the Penguins. I don't completely understand it. But, like, how about what they overpaid for Thomas Tatar, too? I I just, I did not understand what they did today at all. Um, And I guess I understand adding Ryan Reeves, but I watch Vegas play, and they're so fast. You know, Reeves really isn't going to play that type of game. I guess maybe you need him in the Western Conference, but um, very, very strange stuff from Vegas. Uh, it, at the same time, I mean, who am I to question it? They just keep winning when everybody questions them, so maybe I'll shut my mouth.
1: Jason, appreciate the time, man. I know you're busy. Thanks a lot.
0: All right, pal. Thanks for having me.
1: There he goes, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette coming up next. Here's a guy who asked for a trade last year. That shouldn't be moved now. And it's not hockey. But we'll get back to hockey later on in the segment. It's the Crowley Show. EO Station.
0: It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my ball. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app.
1: You want to be happy to be a Pittsburgh Penguins fan? Here's a tweet from Aaron Portsline who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. Quote, Ian Cole and Mark Letestu will make their Columbus debuts. Tortorella says Taylor Chorney out. How good can they really be if they're taking all the Penguins rejects? Seriously, Taylor Chorney? That guy got kicked to the curb by the Caps. Mark Letestu is just a guy. He's going to help their power play out. And Ian Cole, Ian Cole's pretty good. I'll give him that one. But then they add Thomas Vanek, and you just think, what year is it? Kind of like Boston. We're going to add Rick Nash to make us cup contenders. Oh, okay. Is it 20 freaking 11? Well, don't worry. Let me tell you who else we, we got. Oh, who'd you get, Boston? We got Brian Gionta. Uh Oh. Is it 2008? Yeah, but but rick nash they traded out ryan spooner for nash and spooner had a few less points in 30 less games he's a better player than rick nash is right now what's his douche from nbc sports boston we always rag on him forget his name i'm not going to give him the airtime. he tweeted out great drop pass And a shot off the post from Rick Nash. We're going to be seeing a lot of that. He meant that they were going to create a lot of chances, but I quote tweeted it and said, you mean he's not going to finish? That's been Rick Nash's problem in the playoffs. If you extrapolate his playoff numbers, he's a 20-ish goal a season guy. This is coming years where he scored 40-plus goals in a season. Rick Nash has been the perennial playoff choker. He's driven possession, sure. He's a good player, but come on. Come on. He hasn't been the guy that they hoped in New York. And he wasn't the guy he was supposed to be before that either. So Boston thinks that's going to push them over the edge. It's not. Columbus thinks that Ian Cole, Mark Letestu, and Thomas Vanek are going to push them over the edge? Come on! The Penguins got the best third-line center available. And you're answering with Mark freaking too? At least Tampa made a move to legitimately bolster themselves. At least Tampa added some star power. They got McDonough, who could play. And they got JT Miller, who you get him out of the shackles of New York, and he'll be able to play well, too. They scare me, nobody else does. Pencil them in conference final. Well, of course, luck plays a big factor, but Penguins are better than just about everyone. They line up with Tampa, and that's it. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. All-time favorite of the show, Mr. Richard. Tuning in now. What's up, man?
0: Before you had your guest on, you were just saying that the uh, you're not worried about the Penguins' defense and you wondered if anybody else was. And I just want to say I'm not worried about their defense, and I'm not worried about their offense, because I don't
1: like hockey. Good talk, Mr. Richard. Really appreciate you chiming in. Uh, you always listen to the show, even though I'm talking about hockey. I mean, you listen through the guest. You listen to the segment that I was talking about hockey before. I've literally talked hockey all day long, and here you are. I just must be that compelling, yes? Now he turns me off. Right as I'm about to talk about football. For a few minutes, I know it's hockey day. Trust me. I want to talk about puck. But something struck me last week and over the weekend that I had to comment on. That's what happens whenever you're off for a week and you don't have a place to blow hot takes out your butt. You get kind of constipated with takes. And you got to get them out there. This is where I do that. Martavis Bryant. On the shopping block, teams calling up about Martavis Bryant, the Steelers thinking about trading Martavis. Be silly. Don't do that. Much like with what happened with Patrick Hornquist and what's going to happen as Crosby and Malkin age, I think the same thing has to happen with Ben Roethlisberger now. You keep the core around him. You keep the familiar core around him. And that's something that, the Penguins are doing now with Patrick Hornquist. And that's something the Steelers would be smart now to do with everybody. Keep Le'Veon Bell. Keep Martavis Bryant. Allow Ben Roethlisberger to be comfortable. The offense isn't the problem if you change up some of the play calling a little bit. So you keep Martavis. And think about this. If you lose out on Le'Veon Bell, if he says, F this, I'm sitting out, I'm retiring, if you slap the tag on me and the Steelers let him walk, I don't think it's going to happen. But if it did... You want to have a player of Martavis Bryant's caliber. A weapon that you can count on. You don't want to be relying on draft picks or free agency to fill in for Le'Veon Bell's production in the receiving game. You absolutely don't want that. You want Martavis Bryant to be around for that. So I think unless that ha-ha Clinton-Dix rumor that doesn't really seem like it's a rumor came to fruition... I'm saying you hold on to that guy, and I'm saying you do it for Ben Roethlisberger's sake, and you do it for the sake of the depth of your club. This year, Antonio Brown went down with an injury, and who slid in for him? Juju Smith-Schuster. And then Martavis Bryant slid in for Juju Smith-Schuster, and that's when they had Eli Rogers, whose knee exploded. Now you don't have Eli Rogers to count on. You've got Juju, you've got A.B., you need Martavis Bryant. You can't bank on a draft pick coming in and performing. 412 Tweet me, at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh, felt good to get that out. Like when you drink the Miralax and you finally get down on the toilet. But I was constipated with hot take. 412 Tweet me, at underscore Adam Crowley. When I look at the Eastern Conference in the National Hockey League, I can see how some teams would make it difficult on Pittsburgh. I can see how the Devils can skate with the Penguins. I can see how Columbus is gritty and they're a bitch to play against. They can score a little bit more than last year, too, when you look at the talent that they have. Philadelphia is playing really good hockey. But here's the deal. In the Metro, nobody stacks up talent-wise. They got Hall in New Jersey. They've got some other good players, too. Don't get me wrong. But they got one one dude who you could consider to be a superstar. The Penguins have Crosby. Penguins have Malkin. Penguins have Kessel. Each of those players is driving their own line right now and doing so at the highest level in the entire National Hockey League. You can't keep up with that. It's cute to see what they've done. And in fact, Philadelphia, if you look at what Philadelphia didn't do, to me, that signifies, "Uh, this is not our time. We can't keep up with the likes of Pittsburgh. We can't keep up with the likes of Toronto and Boston and Tampa. So let's see how far we can get this year. We're a year ahead of schedule anyhow, and maybe we go all in next year. To me, what Philadelphia didn't do shows to me that they're scared of the Penguins, and they should be. They're scared. Of how good Pittsburgh is. Now Tampa, they've had a good season. They've got talent. They've pushed Pittsburgh to the brink before. So they think, okay, we're scared of Pittsburgh. Let's go the opposite way. Let's add. And add they did. I think Boston, to me, screams we're the most scared. Now they have to get out of their own division first. So maybe they're more scared of Tampa than they are of Pittsburgh. But think about what they've done. They went, "Uh uh-oh. The Penguins get Broussard and they went, oh bleep but let's let's get someone anybody please anybody Rick Nash Brian Gianta. <laughs> them skirt four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley my tweet that I sent out saying that Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay not being well received on Twitter.com people are booing me not getting very many likes or retweets now I'm self-conscious now I'm worried a little upset four one two nine two 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 eight seven four We got Jesse Marshall coming up at six twenty here on the show, but coming up next, I'll give you one reason. Why the Penguins won't win the Stanley Cup. And I'll tell you exactly what Pittsburgh's got to do with Daniel Broussard. Why do I keep doing that? His name is Derek. Oh, I've been off for nine days. It's the Crowley Show.